37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal. This be episode 301. I, of course, am Sean, one half of your hosting power, and today I have long sleeves on because it is cold in Kansas. And, of course, with me, as always, is my other half, Preston. Preston, buddy, how are you, sir? What's up, uh, all you cool ghosts and Goblins, you crocodiles and crocodingos, you skeletors and skeletons, witchers and witches, and I don't know, wherever the fuck else you want to be. I might, you know, survived our 300th episode. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that 300th episode. It was a pretty good time. I think a good time was had by all. And then, uh, you know, later that night, we uh, restreamed our D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I put on the title... Pixelated Paranormal Plays with Pixelated Plays D&D Campaign Description Join us as we play a round of D&D with our friends Halfway through, somebody jumps on Well, if you're just not gonna fucking respond to my messages I'm just getting <laughs> off By the way, you should go look up Satan and some priest And then go fuck yourself Good night Alright Sorry, sir, that uh, you clearly couldn't read the description Where I said we were playing Dungeons & Dragons with our friends not doing a paranormal mm-hmm. show. It's <laughs> it's a lot of monkeys to try to juggle doing chat and playing D&D. Hell, we ignore half the chat when we're doing this just because one of us is reading and oftentimes we got somebody reading, you know, the other part on the show. So, you know, I bet you know, I, we're just going to have to get better at that. Well, on this episode, we've got kind of a fun story to share at the top because um, Preston and I happened to share a little uh, paranormal encounter together and i say paranormal lightly because it could have been something very terrestrial but presto um you can flash that picture up anytime you're ready back on tuesday night i was leaving work and i happened to glance over in the wichita kansas sky off to the what would we call that off to the west and happened to see a big old ball of light like a meteor or something just kind of slowly burning bright coming down to the earth I didn't know what it was. Again, it could be a rocket. It could be something very simple. But it was awfully fucking bright and had a pretty decent amount of trail behind it. So we'll have to load the video next time because I kind of came unprepared and didn't get it to Preston on time. But this thing had a nice long streak in the sky. You could see it burning and slowly the trails kind of trailing off and disappearing. I watched it for a good 10 minutes and it was making pretty decent speed covering a pretty good distance. I ended up stopping at a McDonald's um, parking lot and recording for a little while. And then I hit up Preston and I was like, dude, you got to take a look. Yeah. And Presto, describe what you saw, man. So you sent me that and I went out and looked at it like 20 minutes after I got your video. I'm like, I wonder Mm -hmm. if it's still out there. So by the time that I got out there, you could see the tail of the objects and then mm-hmm. um, it was, uh, if you look on the picture on the right, you can see how it's broken up. And then, so mm-hmm. that's kind of what it looked like for me. But then in the very distant above the building in the horizon line, you could still see this very faint glow 
like it whatever it was was like still going on so i'm like but if it was a if it was a rocket like the direction it was going doesn't look like it was going down like it this looked like it was doing its shit like this was like either like yeah. a comet a meteor i don't know a fucking missile doing its thing yeah missile <laughs> shit i'm thinking yeah i immediately thought spacex maybe there's some kind of you know rocket making its way back down to earth um yeah who knows what it was dude i'm assuming it was something <clears throat> was it a superman was it a plane was it uranus <laughs> right. we don't know could have been my anus for that matter yeah. um, normally the fire would be going upwards <sighs> not sideways have curry yeah <laughs> right hey speaking of flaming hot liquid shit um this friday uh on my facebook i'm not sure if we can copy it and stream it as well over on the uh, podcast facebook but i'm getting back together with my buddy mitchell and this time um our friend shane's gonna join us and we're gonna do another one of those hot ones challenges where we eat you know 10 or 12 different um escalating levels of hot sauce on some chicken wings so that'll be a lot of fun and worst case if we can't stream it via the podcast channel I'll, uh, I'll upload it on there in case somebody wants to watch it. But, yeah, we're going to come back and try again the newest uh, incarnation of the Hot Ones Challenge. So getting pretty stoked about that. Mm, yeah. And also, if anybody has a lead on one of those Packy Hot Chips before uh, they took those off the shelf, let me know because, yeah, you're, Preston, uh, would you be our, interested in doing that? Yeah, fuck it. I'll do it. Our buddy Captain Scott okay. said that uh, if we nutted up and did it with him that he'd, like, order them so well he ordered them but he only has one to spare so you and i could share it we could do a lady in the tramp on it if we need to like <clears throat> like but cheek to cheek lip to lip tongue mm -hmm. to tongue or we could break it in half and stand cheeks to cheeks you know if you know what i'm saying yeah you know kind of a uh, avant-garde human centipede I, I feel like that but would yeah, be, like i feel like that would be like a star, uh, star wars revenge of the stiff when Darth Sidious and Yoda were putting the force powers together and it's like fart and fart and there's like a giant explosion in the middle of the room. It could be. It very well could yeah. be. Well, Captain Scott's going to send one of those over to me. And then um, I, without getting the guy in trouble, I know a guy who could probably get his hands on one or two more. And the reason why I say I don't want to get somebody in trouble is apparently those chips got taken off the market because a kid died. And again, you know, in air quotes, he had you know, pre-existing conditions, and this was an allergic reaction to one of the uh, ingredients. But from what I understand, those chips got pulled back off of the shelf, dude, and it might be dead in the water. Like, mm. Hershey's bought Packy, and I think, like, all for naught, I guess. <laughs> mm. But yeah, if, if we can get a hold of one, dude, I'll let you know. If nothing else, I'm willing to split it with you. Um, I did it back in the middle of COVID, and it was it was pretty warm. Pretty, pretty warm. Yeah. If nothing else, though, I do have a bottle of the De Bomb hot sauce from Hot Ones, so we could do that, you know. Well, let's kick things off with a little bit more news, shall we? In some sadder announcements in Billings, Montana, astronaut Frank Borman, who commended the Apollo, I'm sorry, who commanded Apollo 8's historic Christmas 1968 flight that circled the moon 10 times, paving the way for lunar landings the following year, has died. He was 95 years old, born 
Borman died Tuesday in Billings, Montana, according to NASA. Interesting, the same day we saw the anomalous craft in the sky, Preston. Yeah, man. That's like Borman some heaven. Also... That's like some heaven gate shit going on right there. He didn't die. <laughs> motherfucker went home. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But he's going downwards, so maybe straight to <laughs> oh. hockey sticks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sad trombone. Was he on a skyway to hell? <laughs> <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> he was best known for his NASA duties, and he and his crew, James Lavelle and William Anders, were the first Apollo mission to fly to the moon and to see Earth as a distant sphere in space. Now, originally, if you guys remember, it launched from Florida's Cape Canaveral on December 21st, 1968, and Apollo 8, its trio intact, spent three days traveling to the moon and slipped into lunar orbit on Christmas Eve. After they circled 10 times on December 24th through 25th, they then headed home back on December 27th. Borman wrote about how Earth looked from afar. We were the first humans to see the world in its majestic totality. An intensely emotional experience for each of us. We said nothing to each other, but I was sure our thoughts were identical of our families on the spinning globe. And maybe we shared another thought that I had. This must be what God sees. Annie Hoosel, rest in peace, rest in power, sir. Uh, another one bites the dust, man. We're all getting a little bit older. Now, up next, Preston, you got something kind of interesting to talk about. You ready to go on that one? No, hold on. I got to keep my phone away from the microphone. <laughs> so let me let me. Do, oh shit, that's yeah, right. Let me do that's this. Right. Let me do this from a wide <laughs> angle. So a couple couple no. uh, a couple weeks ago, we covered uh, you know the the Mexican alien hearing. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize they named those little fuckers, but I guess they did. So the uh, congressional Mexican alien hearing is back in the news because the two small bodies named Clara and Marsucio, showcased in display cases, exhibited three fingers and uh, elongated heads. Mexican legislators recently held a second hearing on the potential existence of extraterrestrials. During this event, a a uh, collection of three-fingered Peruvian mummies were declared authentic by researchers. During the first mm. se- session held on September 13th, the council was presented with alleged remains of non-human beings by Mexican journalist and UFO enthusiast Jaime Musan. The two small bodies named Clara and Marsucio showcased in the display exhibited three fingers on each hand and elongated heads. According to Mr. Musan, uh-huh. these specimens were discovered near Peru's ancient Nazca lines in 2017 and are approximately 1,000 years old, as determined by carbon dating analysis conducted by Mexico's National Anomalous University, or UNAM. In the recent November 7th <laughs> session, Mr. Musan aimed to prove the authenticity of the bodies by bringing in doctors who vouched for their real, once-living nature. While he focused on dispelling doubts about their legitimacy, questions about the origin of these mysterious specimens still lingered. Anthropologist Roger Zugna from San Luis Gonzaga National University in Inca, Peru, Mm -hmm. reported that researchers have examined five comparable specimens over a period of four years, and in fact, they are real. He claimed that they were uh, there was absolutely no human intervention in the physical and biological formation of these beings. The researchers noted that the bodies had hybrid DNA. Mr. Musan remarked 
None of the scientists say the study results prove that they are extraterrestrials, but I go further suggesting that these findings could potentially serve as evidence of life forms not originating from Earth. We have hybrid beings. Mm -hmm. We have other beings that are apparently more evolved than us. We are facing something truly extraordinary, Musan, Mr. Musan said. Argentina surgeon, uh, uh, surgeon Celestino Aldolfo Puig, fuck, whatever, claimed that uh, <laughs> to, claimed to have <laughs> examined failed. the test results. I was doing so good too. I fucking nailed the shit yeah, out of all those, and I just did. man, I just fucked the bed on that one. Anyways, mm -hmm. this guy claimed to have examined the test results on the bodies and presented a unconventional perspective, claiming that these entities were an evolved version of today's human beings. And he went on to describe them as our descendants. Hmm. That's it. That's that's the update. The little fuckers are hybrids, yep. and the little fuckers have names. So if I understand everything correctly, the bodies were named because most of them or some of them have been actually um, what was discovered a couple years ago during a cave excavation. So I believe the mummies were named previously, not related to the actual hearing. But I mean, years ago, these things were supposedly discovered and everyone's either on team fact or team hoax. And, you know, we had the congressional hearing and basically there was another one. But here's what's interesting is, you know, there's so much misinformation out there about everything. A guy who is claiming to be one of the original grave robbers who found the bodies in the cave in Peru said the bodies that were shown at this first congressional hearing, the one that we're all like, dude, this is like toilet paper, paper mache on paper towel rolls. You know, my niece or nephew could do a better job making one of these props. He's claiming now, maybe conveniently, that these weren't the bodies they discovered in the cave, that those bodies were handed over to the government for analysis, and these were what were returned to them, saying that this basically is the government trying to say, show these off, let's kind of steer everybody in one direction so we can continue to actually do the proper research on what was truly found in those caves. So if you want to put the tinfoil hat on, we can't say still whether, you know, these things are being debunked as being fake or these are somewhat, you know, paper mache cover-ups so the real bodies can be preserved and put God knows where. Anyway, it's a crazy fucking circus. Yeah. But, you know, they uh, all the mummified remains that they found in Peru over, over the years, like the Paraxin, so you have the elongated skulls, um, and they have, like, mm -hmm. red tufts of hair. They actually did mm -hmm. DNA studies on those, and they, you know, the the scientific reports that came back on, on those remains were that uh, they shared common genetic lineage with modern humans, but they were, in fact, not modern humans. Um, so they were labeled as a subspecies of humanity. So like how you have Neanderthal, Cro-Magnum, Denisovians, they created a new subspecies of humans called Paraxins because they were found in uh, mm -hmm. the Paraxin Mountains in Peru. So, I mean, who's, you know, they, di they didn't come out and say hybrid. I mean, th th that fucking DNA study on those bastards, they could have been, like, something else in there, and they're like, yeah, we don't want to have to say hybrids or anything, so fucking, you know, hum you know, humanity's cousins, good enough, put a stamp on it, let's get over it. <laughs> like, I I'm not saying aliens, but aliens. It could be, or as Lazarus is saying here, it's chicken coop meth. Uh, those aliens came <laughs> off a wish. Ouch, Lazarus. Ouch. Yeah. Um, I Speaking of chicken coops, there is a book here I'm going to get to between now and Christmas 
um, I picked up last year. Chicken poop goblins. How to kill those little fuckers in your backyard. I mean, pretty much. It's called how to goblin proof your chicken coop. <laughs> You're not far off, buddy. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, who knows what it is? We'll never know. I'd love to believe that the original bodies were, you know, taken into some kind of custody. And what we have currently are just God knows what paper mache crap they uh, made the night before it was due to be in a congressional hearing. But one day we'll find out. Well, speaking of books, tonight's episode is going to be part one of a probably two part series because I want to get into this phenomenon of the Lake Michigan Mothman. And here is a picture of the book I'll be kind of referring to, not so much this episode, but next episode. And I believe that image is backwards, but the book is called The Michigan Lake Mothman, High Strangeness in the Midwest by none other than Tobias Wayland. The book itself was just put out a couple years ago, back in 2019, and we actually had an autographed copy uh, sent into the podcast from Tobias. It says, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast, keep investing the impossible. So I've been meaning to get into this. It's a pretty small book. I should be able to chew this thing up and get some pretty good stuff out of it between now and next time. So tonight's episode is part one of, what did I call it, Preston? Let's see. Return of the Revenge of the Mothman. Or How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> right. Now, the main story for tonight comes from the Singular Fortean Society, or SingularFortean.com. Uh, surprise, surprise, that is where Tobias is from, who wrote this book. And the story of tonight's episode comes from a woman who has reported a series of bizarre encounters that she said she's had with UFOs and also weird humanoids from over the last 10 years. Now, she's remained anonymous because she's never told a soul about this, saying that, quote, she feels like she is fearing that she would be rebuffed. But anyway, the woman's first encounter came one night back in November of 2014, approximately around 9 p.m., when she was around 17 years old and living at home with her parents and her younger brother in Morgantown, West Virginia. Now, already our antennae are going up, and this is landing on the radar because who else came from West Virginia? Point Pleasant. That's right. <laughs> right. She said on that night she was in bed watching TV at the time, and she said suddenly directly above her bed, where these three windows were, the television was to the left of her bed. Suddenly, her attention was drawn to the floor, approximately four feet from the desk that her television was sitting on. And from those three windows, she said, a beam of light suddenly shone into her room, moving very quickly in small circles in one concentrated spot on her floor. The circle motions that the light made weren't perfect, but the best she can describe them were as wobbly circles. The beam was solid, made of pure light, and approximately about an inch or less wide and it was very thin. The color of the beam of light was pure white, somewhat of a bluish tinge surrounding it on the outside of the beam. The beam itself was bright, but didn't seem to emit any light beyond its edges. She said that her room was not filled with light, only the beam. So already this is very bizarre. You get a bright light shining, they're kind of like a laser pointer, I guess, not really lighting up the room itself, but just kind of self-contained in the beam. Anyway, she said she watched the light for about 30 minutes, and then she began to feel a sense of dread, and suddenly had the instinct to flee her room in a total state of panic. So when she left her room and got downstairs, she looked outside to see if there was any other evidence of any kind of craft or anything else outside in the yard. 
but to her surprise, there was none. There were no aircraft of any kind, actually, besides a couple high-flying commercial planes in the sky above. She didn't tell anybody in her house about what she had seen, and she said that she wasn't sure if her mind had maybe just been playing tricks on her, or something else, or if indeed something strange or peculiar actually did happen. But she knows for one thing, she definitely saw something shining through the window into her room. So she went back into the bedroom and checked the area where she saw the light, and again, there's no evidence whatsoever of the beam having ever touched the floor. Now our next experience comes two days later. Just shortly two days later, she witnessed one more anomalous event which she believed may be connected, and this time her younger brother was also a witness. She said a pitch-black figure, which appeared to be two-dimensional and in a very humanoid form, quickly passed across the window and the wall, which were directly in front of where she and her brother had been sitting, about 12 feet away. She said the figure had no discernible features on its face, no clothing, and no hair. It just had a round head and a human-like torso. That's about all they could make out when this thing went streaking across the wall. She said it was impossible to get a full height estimate, but it was for certain the creature they saw, the blur or whatever it was, was definitely inside the house, not outside. The sighting of this being only lasted about 10 seconds before it faded away. Now, she says there's no logical explanation for what they saw, but it most certainly was paranormal. And interestingly enough, she said that she'd actually seen a figure similar to that once before, and she was certain that this was of the same nature. Now, fast forwarding nearly 10 years later, around 7.15 p.m. on August 15, 2023, just a few months ago, while she was at a public storage on Green Bay Road in Evanston, Illinois, she claimed to have seen a dark humanoid being flying overhead. This time, she said she was with her husband and her daughter. She said it had large wings that were shaped like a bat. It was approximately 150 to 200 feet above them, gliding westbound very slowly. She said she reached out for her phone to try to take a quick picture, but suddenly the thing gathered speed and quickly zoomed off. And again, more recently still, at approximately 9.40 p.m. on August 20th, about a week later, she said, My husband and I observed a bright cylindrical object in the sky. It streaked above our property while we were in the backyard, and it was traveling entirely too fast for us to again get a photograph. So what exactly is going on here? Something weird for sure, right? Well, as we've mentioned before in previous episodes, there's been a lot of recent and modern sightings of what many folks believe or suspect to be the Mothman, or more appropriately, the Lake Michigan Mothman phenomenon. Because this woman isn't alone having witnessed both a winged humanoid and a UFO. Witnesses Gerald Therese, Jonathan Lane, and Shayna and Barbara Clippert have all reported UFO sightings along with winged humanoid sightings and other witnesses named Paula, sorry, another witness named Paula said she saw a mysterious beam of light with no apparent source in the same area that she would later encounter a winged humanoid as well. And at least one other report of a shadow person has been received alongside the winged humanoid reports. And so because of this 
proximity to the other sighting locations. The creature described in this report could be related to the larger Lake Michigan Mothman phenomenon. These sightings are commonly reported within a few hundred mile radius from each other, strangely enough surrounding Lake Michigan, including every state bordering the Great Lake area. These sightings ostensibly begin in the spring of 2017, but more historic accounts have been reported as many more people are becoming aware of the phenomenon. These generally take place in the evening or at night, often near a park or a natural area around bodies of water. Which again is weird, Preston, because we see a lot of times this paranormal stuff happens around bodies of water, whether it be, you know, the Fay folk or even this missing 411 phenomenon we talked about a lot as well. Witnesses consistently describe a large gray, or sometimes brown or black, bird or bat-like creature, sometimes with glowing or reflective red eyes, sometimes being yellow, green, or even orange, with humanoid features such as arms and legs often being reported. Now, some witnesses have reported feeling intense fear and an aura of evil emanating from the creature they encountered. Many of the sightings are also of something seen only briefly or being described as a flying creature with few details, which leave open the possibility that a misidentified bird such as a heron or a crane or some type of anomalous avian species could explain many, if not all, of the sightings. But surely not all the encounters could be some kind of rogue large bird, right? A number of associated high strangeness incidents have also occurred alongside the creature sightings, including reports of UFOs, other anomalous flying creatures, and mysterious humanoids. Parapsychological phenomenon and bizarre events experienced by those investigating in the sightings are oftentimes in tow. So what do you think, Presto, are we amidst another Mothman invasion? Man, I, I don't I don't know because I've never heard Mothman described as being bald. I <laughs> know. That's, no. that's <laughs> the naked Mothman. The naked Mothman. Ah, interesting, interesting, interesting. Maybe it You're wasn't actually Mothman, bit. but his pal Ingrid Cold. Like Yeah. We always assumed that Man. Ingrid Cold and Mothman were the same thing. But wonder if like mm-hmm. Mothman is the actual entity, and like Ingrid Cold is like the PR person, and Ingrid Cold's like a tall, <laughs> bald, skeezy dude, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's easily possible, right? It's easily possible. Well, another story I mentioned earlier, I'll go ahead and drop in here. This also comes from Singular 14 Society. They were contacted by Shana Clippert, who's 27, who said that she and her mother had been both involved in a massive black wean humanoid sighting, which also was related to a glowing UFO in Rockford, Illinois, during the early morning back on June 20th. So yet again, another more recent sighting. Shana said that she hadn't previously been aware of other sightings in the area and only found the Singular 14 Society after going online following her encounter trying to find out what she had saw. Both of her sightings were either on or near Fort Kent Creek, which Shana refers to as a canal in her testimony. She said they began at approximately 1 a.m. when Shana and her mom Barbara were outside of her apartment. She said, there's my parking lot, and we were facing toward my building, and next to that, between me and the canal, there's a parking lot that has nothing. It's just like a lot, 
and then there's the canal. I can see the overpass bridge that runs down Auburn over the canal, and across from that is a shop that has its lights on, and then there's a very, very well-lit, I'm not sure what exactly it is, a hauling business, I think, but they have trucks and garage doors and other stuff. Then there's a pretty thin tree line in the canal, and there's nothing on my side where I'm at. Anyway, it's reasonably well-lit. When the creature crawled out of the canal, I could see the cement guardrail walls of the canal because all the lights on the side from the shop and the light reflecting from the lights in the area from my building. The trees, however, were all dark. I heard a screech that made me turn my head toward the direction, and then it looked like it crawled out of the canal itself because I saw this black silhouette following up onto the embankment. That's when you could see the black silhouette against the other light on the other side of the canal. You can clearly see this black blob moving across the area. When my mom looked over because she saw something on the corner of her eye too, obviously I was already looking over there. And she saw the black blob, and then it took flight within the tree line. We could clearly see the shape of the wings and the size of its, this thing going through the tree line. Obviously, I can't say what it was. It could have just been, you know, above the canal, like the water. But we saw something that completely passed, like we saw it going through. Now, Shana told the investigator, Tobias Whalen, that the creature reminded her of the character Marcus from the film Underworld because of the humanoid appearance and bat-like wings. It was massive, like hunched over when it was coming out of the canal. It looked like the size of a dumpster that we have in the back of our apartment building. It was huge. I have no clue what to even compare it to. It was super tall and big. And when it walked, when it was on the ground, it was like hunched over or crouched. It looked like this massive blob. When it initially left the ground, it flapped its wings. And it wasn't a super fast flap because the wings were so big. The canal goes down into a more vegetative spot, so we lost sight of it there. And so you imagine this canal is kind of like, um, I mean, like an old dried up creek bed that goes underneath like a big cement bridge. Shana estimated the creature's wingspan to be about 12 feet and described the sound it made as a dinosaur screech like a raptor. Caw, caw, ducky, ducky. <laughs> I didn't see any glowing red eyes or anything like everybody else is describing, but it flew away from us and we were looking at it and we could see its profile most of the time. From its back. I was freaking out. It was pitch black. The winged entity flew halfway up the trees, so it was directly in the tree line and then stayed steady the rest of the way down. It couldn't have been in the trees because of the size of the wingspan, but it could have went over the canal and just followed down. There's water down there, but it's very small like a creek. Then there's a walkway that runs down, and you can go all the way down to this park at the end in the, back, uh, in the back of the neighborhoods. Then there's these huge storm drains, but they're huge. Like, you can just walk in there. You might have to duck your head a little bit, but you can walk in there. I don't know if it crawled out, but what else could be in there? All in all, the sighting lasted maybe two or three whole minutes. Now, soon after the wing humanoid sighting, Shayna and her mother saw something else equally inexplainable in the sky. She said, we walked to this broken down fence that separates my area from this lot on the other side, between us and the canal. 
We were out there walking, and I asked my roommate to come downstairs and bring a flashlight so we could shine it into the tree line and see if we could see anything. So she came down in about 15 minutes, didn't see anything, and we drove down to the park. But the trees are so dense down there that even if there was something in there, we couldn't see it. When we drove back, she went to the gas station for about 10 minutes, but my mom and I were still outside, and this light... It almost looked like it was glowing. It looked like if you were to see some sort of stingray, like a glowing stingray in the air, had materialized above us in the air, like maybe 50 or 60 feet up above the empty lot. And then it had wings, but they were very fluid moving, very slow moving, and very thin, like if you look on the side of a stingray. We could see the thing almost glowing against the dark sky, and there was nothing that it could have reflected off of. It was a clear sky. Or nothing that could have caused it like a spotlight. It was actually a physical thing in the air. It didn't look white. It looked like light, almost like a translucent white light. It wasn't just a white object because the sky was pitch black. We saw the whole glowing silhouette, and it flew very smoothly and fluidly over the street. It generally stayed the same height in the air, and then it turned around and came back over and literally disappeared in the same spot it had materialized from. It didn't go down, it didn't go up, it just vanished. Shana guessed the thing was probably about six feet in length and very skinny. She elaborated on her description of the glowing object, explaining that although it didn't look precisely like a stingray, that's the best she could describe it. It didn't have a tail. I describe it as a stingray because it was flat. I don't know how wide it was or if it was just skinny or a long thing, but if you're looking at the back of a stingray at eye level, it's flat and it's got pointed ends where the edges are flat ends and it's thicker in the body and thinner toward the wings. It was so fluid and smooth and slow moving. It was long and thin. It didn't have any other jerky movements. Very fluid, like a stingray moving in the water. Shana was certain that the glowing UFO couldn't have had any physical explanation, such as a spotlight. There's nothing for light to reflect off of. There's no power cords or anything that runs all the way down. It was like seeing electricity or glowing orbs at night, but it was long and skinny. Historical weather data confirms the sky was clear at the time of her sighting, and there were not any wind to blow some there was not any wind to blow something that could have been misidentified like a balloon. Now, as for the winged creature, when asked if it could have been some known animal indigenous to the area, Shana responded that she considered, but she was sure it wasn't. I know what foxes and coyotes sound like, especially in mating season and fights, stuff like that. Generally, we hear dogs barking in our neighborhood, and I know what it sounds like when dogs are fighting. It didn't sound like anything like that. It wasn't a person screaming, it wasn't animals or anything. And then for me to hear the screech and look over and see that thing, I just put two and two together, and this creature is a thing that made that noise. <laughs> I thought about herons and cranes and stuff like that. The only difference is the size of it, for one thing, because the wings were huge and there was no break in the wings, and there was no color to it. It was pitch black. Even when it was on the side of the embankment where the lights are, it was completely pitch black. You could see the clear outline. 
You know how those birds usually have really skinny legs? Well, this was thick. Too thick to be a heron or a crane. The thickness of the wings and the whole size of the body itself. Mm, yeah, thick mama. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thick. With two C's. When it was hunched over, I couldn't clearly see the outlines of the head or anything like that. It was just this hunched over, curled together on all four sort of thing. It didn't have any long, skinny legs or a head protruding. It was just this huge black mass. The experience left both Shana and her mother upset and frightened, but they both feel strongly that what they experienced was real and they're willing to go on the record. Well, Shana says, I was panicking when the UFO appeared. I jumped behind my mom and I had this hunting knife. I don't know what I was going to do with it. It didn't come out or the thing didn't come near us. It was weird that we were out there looking for whatever that creature was and when it flew away and suddenly we see this glowing thing in the sky. Although they haven't seen anything like it since, the experience did lend a new unsettling perspective to something that happened just a week prior. She said, about a week beforehand, I was walking up my back stairs. Again, it was late. and My mom was sitting downstairs waiting for me to unlock my door. And I heard that screech. This is one of several sightings of winged humanoids that have come out of Rockford over the last several years. We'll save Jonathan Lane's story for next episode. I just want to kind of give everybody a taste here before we dive into a, a deep dive. Um, next episode, unless anything amazing or anomalous happens, we'll probably skip news and just get right into the good stuff. But uh, what do you think, buddy? Mothman Part 3? Hell yeah. Yeah, we had a really good episode um, many, many years ago, our cryptid encounter for Mothman. Um, do you know what episode that was? 66, I think, when we started doing these cryptid encounters. So anyway, um, I know we've done the return of the Mothman, so this would be kind of cool to get back into that and get back into uh, just a big, bad, nasty beasties that we used to talk about. So, All right, well, if we don't have anything else to drop in here, I say we get out of here, buddy. What do you say? I'm down. Let's, let's do this. Because cool. I'm excited... For my Dobbs promo, so that's if that's the one thing that I look forward to. Uh, fucking, if that's that. the one thing you contribute to this episode. Yeah. If I if I if I pulled my weight at all tonight, other than like fucking up the video feed and uh, having like some shit audio in the beginning and a really bad news story, dude, I fucking mm-hmm. I brought it home with this Dobbs promo, like. You, okay. you you cooked the meat, <laughs> but I fucking plated that shit. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. All right, buddy. Well, before you get into it, let me just say, if you guys are on these social medias, please give us a follow over on the Instagrams. We are happily, pleasantly over the 1,000 follower marker, up to 1,040, uh, give or take a bot or few. So that's exciting stuff. So follow us on Instagram. We are at PXL Paranormal. If you're on the old Facebook, we are the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Preston, before you get down and dirty, talk to me about the YouTubes. Have you checked the numbers lately? 288, baby. That's right. If if you're looking at the bottom of that screen or if you're looking at the live comments, uh, you should probably follow uh, Dr. Corbeau's Mr. Feel Good Love Doctor or whatever else, the man of many names. Uh, he's been saying fucking like, subscribe, <laughs> and share uh, for the first five minutes. I don't know. Maybe follow that guy's advice. Fucking like, subscribe, and subshare. Uh, I think subshare. Th- yeah, <laughs> I, I think three hundred's uh, the new goal. So we're only at two eighty eight. What the fuck is like twelve? Twelve more, man. 
uh, mm-hmm. we can do it. So uh, 11 but followers yeah. on Rumble. So if you want something better than Alex Jones, are you tired of conspiracies, but uh, you still love them? Uh, you don't want to have to have vitamin supplements and everything else shoved down your throat. You know what? Upgrade from Alex Jones and holler at your boys, the pixelated paranormal on Rumble, because uh, we're only on 11 followers there. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. get that up a bit. We're at uh, three followers on Kick. So, I mean, the live streaming. Damn. Yeah, the live streaming is, uh, you know, treating us, treating us good. So, yeah, man, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, why don't you lay it on me, Big Daddy? Talk to me about some Dobbs here. All right, guys, let's get serious for a moment. <clears throat> Do you need a beard? Do you want a beard? Do you want the best damn beard possible? Are you ready to take your grooming game to the next level? Well, look no further than Big Dobbs Beard Bomb, the ultimate solution for the modern man. And now introducing the all-new Fresh. That's right, I'm doing Fresh this week. Scent. Designed to captivate the senses and leave you feeling invigorated all day long. Picture this. It's a moonlit night. A bald mothman and you. With Big Dob's Beard Bomb Fresh Scent, you'll create an unforgettable experience that will leave you and your partner in awe. The enticing aroma of this bomb will awaken your senses, making every touch and every moment more intimate and extra special, like a moth to the candle flame. Whether you're going out for a romantic dinner or planning a cozy night in, Big Dom's Beard Bomb Fresh Scent will be your secret weapon. It is carefully a crafted formula that nourishes your beard, leaving it soft, manageable, and irresistible. And the best part, it's not just for your beard, it's also a gift for your partner, too. Imagine the sensation as your partner runs their fingers through your soft, well-groomed beard, drawing them closer to you. The fresh scent will envelop you both, creating an ambiance of desire and passion. It's time to ignite the flame and make your night truly unforgettable. But wait, there's more. For a limited time, use promo code PXLPARA and get a fantastic 20% off your order. That's right, 20%, folks. And don't miss this opportunity to enhance your grooming routine and create a magical moment, all with Big Dobbs Beard Bomb. So, gentlemen, don't settle for ordinary when you can have extraordinary. Get your hands on Big Dobbs Beard Bomb Fresh Scent today and unlock the power of attraction. Visit our website at www.bigdobsbeardbomb.com. And remember... Use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Big Dobbs Beard Bomb, because every man deserves to feel confident and turn heads. And heck, you deserve the opportunity to make a bald mothman chub. Get it all. Get it <laughs> at Dobbs. Look at that. You're yeah. just doing the Lord's work, buddy. Yeah, damn it, Alan. That was for you, you son of a bitch. Yeah. I think he's definitely going to be um, a little more uh, appreciative of those. Although your earlier stuff was very raunchy, <laughs> and uh, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Any publicity is good publicity. That's right. <laughs> oh man, we have we have so many requests here. The Oklahoma octopus, 
Mothman's family and everything else. So we're definitely going to dive into that kind of stuff. Um, we also definitely have to say thanks to Lazarus Corbeau. Thanks to Fire Pixie for always, uh, you know, being here and riding these out with us. Guys, if you haven't yet, go check out Dr. Corbeau's Feel Good Fun Time Medicine Show here on YouTube as well. So if you're in the Wichita area, stop by, see our friend Leslie and the rest of the gang over at CD Trade Post, Bonnie and Seneca. And if you're, you know, hunting for something delicious to eat, stop by and see the Paranormal Egg Experience food truck and Paranormal.cafe as well. All right, I'm going to lift this glass of pumpkin spice cider and say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.